For all of you who listen to Submersion and own an Android device, go to the Google Play Store and download the Podcast Republic app. It's a fantastic app that allows you to get all of your favorite podcasts directly on your Android device. I personally use the app and I love it. I can search for the podcast I want to listen to, select it as a favorite, and have it just a click away. Make sure you select Submersion as a favorite so you don't miss any of our new episodes every Thursday. Again, the app is the Podcast Republic app, available on Android devices. Episode 102. Oh, yeah. Woo! <laughs> there we go. Someone to chime in with the woo, because uh, we never miss it. Might have blew out some speakers on that one. Hopefully, Level Later clears that up for us. Oh, that'll be nice. Not a sponsor. Level Later. I don't think they're in business anymore. Free software. It is free software. Freeware. Freeware. And... This We're is back. Kind of a, this is an interesting trio, right? Uh, at one point, Brom, you did a whole countdown on on the different sets of hosts and stuff like that. I, I don't know did. how many times it's been this set of hosts. This is this is a first. I I do I did pull it up because I figured you might ask about it. Wow, uh, We're on the same wavelength. We've never had the Jamie Brom Alex combo. So, oh my god! And this is a very special episode too for Alex because. Do you want to go ahead? Do, are we announcing the potential change to the nickname? I, I really Isn't hope it? so. Yes. Uh, I mean, but okay. we, can also, we can also wait for the other half just so it's. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No. Mm, that's better no. if we announce it with the, not the other half. Okay. Well, it's much better. We're getting are we rid- announcing that there's a nickname change or are we this, announcing the nickname change? So the nickname. So right now, like as everyone knows, we got El Capitan, we got the ointment, we got Brom. What was yours again? The artist formerly known as Brom. The artist formerly known as Brahm, and then A to Z, the gruesome twosome. So you're yes. one half of the gruesome twosome. That's correct. Yep. Um, setting you guys up for your own spinoff podcast someday. You know, it's funny. Also, just just for the listeners, I want to be clear. The twos in that A to Z, that's a two. That's a numeral two. The gruesome two, the numeral some. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. Zach and I, we had always joked years before we even did this podcast that we would have a uh, a radio show called a- BS with A to Z in the AM or something like that. <laughs> so it was really <laughs> funny when you mentioned that earlier in the text group, Jamie, because I was like, how fitting. It's like you knew us all along. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, and yeah, so. We'll also have to think of a name for our, our new super team. This this trio will need uh, a, a title. Um, so we, we can think about it. You don't have to come up with something, you know, but just some inspiration. Some of the other ones were, uh, two and a half semen, uh, <laughs> the OGs, the submersible boys, the trusty trio, periscope posse, the classic submergers. That's very Marvel esque. So wow. we'll, have to th- we'll have to come up with something for the three of us. Something Was that, that plays dollar right strikes. Uh, that was a countdown. It was my yeah. uh, it was my top five sub- submersion super teams. There were I think eleven of them though, but <laughs> yeah. we ran them all and down. No, no, Every I, different combination of of hosts that we've ever had. We could brainstorm it, but I feel like we should do, go kind of this down the same lines. A plus B equals uh, equals O for ointment. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. No, no. We're gonna have all to right. workshop it. Well, Okay, uh, Kyle edit that out. Um, but yeah, right. it was it was time to get rid of the mustard man because my mom sent me a text the other day and all it said is, "Hey, mustard man, the first movie you ever saw was Hunt for Red October. You were a baby." And I was like, "Ah, I don't want my mom calling me mustard man." So it went too far. So it's got to change. <laughs> <laughs> what if she starts calling weird. you uh, gruesome too? Uh, well. <sighs> 
I guess we <laughs> no, might revisit I, this conversation I, in a few yeah, months. Yeah, we might be redoing that. Yeah, so I don't know if she listened to the podcast or what she's been doing. Uh, that'd be unfortunate. But, uh, she called me the mustard man. and But, I mean, fitting that my very first movie I ever saw was The Hunt for Red October. So maybe that's why that's been one of my top three submarine movies of all time. Because <laughs> my first movie I've ever seen. <laughs> There you go. I'd have to ask All my right. parents if they know which one they brought me to. They brought me to a lot, though. I remember them telling me that. Yeah. Well, this is normally where Kyle would set out some awugas. Awuga, awuga, dive, 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 dive. And if without him, it would it would be Zach, and we don't have the soundboard going either. Uh, Alex, we're going to need you to do some heavy lifting tonight. So ah, be ready. Ah, ah, dive, 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 dive. What began as an innocent conversation among friends would soon spiral out of control and later be referred to by future generations as the eighth wonder of the modern world. Mac East Studios takes you on the journey of your lifetime as your captains, Alex the the artist formerly known as Brom, Jamie the Ointment, Kyle El Capitan, and Zach Bone present... Submersion. All right. Um, so this is kind All of an right. interesting one. Post-apocalyptic um, movie month. Yeah. We are you, on, take us take us through what we list, what we watched uh, this time. All right. Yeah. This is week two. Last week we watched Resident Evil Five. This week we've gone with a, a more like I don't know what you'd call this kind of like a indie comedy or dark mm-hmm. comedy. Uh, channeling sort Certainly of Certainly indie. Definitely indie. Yeah, sort of channeling the vibes of uh, of like a Wes Anderson kind of mm-hmm. style. Um, and it is called The Fitzroy. Came out in 2017. Yeah, and, and this is something that I don't think anyone I would possibly have heard of, but it's not quite the same as when we watch something like Subdown starring... Stephen Baldwin, because that's a movie no one can actually watch. Like, you've never heard of it, and you can't watch it. This is readily available. This is on, if you have Amazon Prime, you can watch it. Even though this movie is very tiny. Mm-hmm. We watched this one on, on Tubi TV, though, uh, free. Oh, is this right? This was Tubi? And it was, yep. it's also on Amazon, or is it on Tubi? Just Tubi? I don't, it's on I Amazon. I the Amazon part. Two, okay. two yeah, bucks. I think it was Amazon, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, so Tubi TV for free with, with uh, Tubi a couple free, ads, yeah. so... Free streaming and, for people that um, want to get caught up on this one. Yeah, so um, it's kind of an interesting movie all around, and I'll get to some of it in the trivia, but, I mean, it's tiny, really small budget, uh, micro-budget film, I think they'd call it. Um, one of those films that was actually uh, crowdsource funded to be able to make it, and yet entirely set in a submarine. So mm-hmm. it, really it, it looked pretty good. It looked, it looked pretty competent. Right. Yes. No, no, I agree with that. And I'll get to that when I when we're actually reviewing the movie as well, because mm-hmm. I was fairly impressed with how um, professional it looked. And I guess that's maybe the age that we're in, even something that I think it's like $100,000 it was made for with with actors I actually legitimately recognized. Like I, the, really? the guy who guy who runs the um, or the owner of the mm-hmm. Fitzroy uh, who gets murdered. Uh, spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, he's he's one of the dads Cecil. in... Um, it's a British television show that's on Netflix that I really lo- uh, that I really like. They came out with a couple movies, but now the, the name is slipping, slipping my mind. But I knew him. I was like, oh my God, that's the dad from that TV show that I watched. And then two of the other actors were pretty 
uh, notable as well. Because originally when I was coming into this, I was like, Phantom's going to be a mess. Like I can't, I'll never get Phantom Zone. But actually it was really easy to do Phantom Zone. Oh, I was asking Alex if this was going to be a difficult one for you. No, it wasn't. It was perfectly fine. Well, very good. Uh, we talked about some of the professional-looking uh, components. I think it starts here with the uh, the title credits is one of the yeah. uh, one of the nicer features. I would maybe say this might be my favorite title credits, rivaling what which one was it? Uh, Voyage, not what what was the? In- uh, uh, it was Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This one and was it, pretty good itself. And this one, this one actually did. Um, uh, we won. It won some awards for that. And and when you're watching it. You actually, I, to me, I was like, why didn't they just make an animated film? Because like the animation and stuff <laughs> yeah. was really cool, and you could imagine having it all been an animated film, and it would it was kind of fit still in that same vibe. I mean, Wes Anderson made, has made several stop motion animation films and stuff like that, so mm-hmm. um, you yeah, can it, get that vibe out of it. And it served uh, it served a dual purpose, of course, introducing the movie, but it also did the exposition of of kind of setting the stage for what has taken place yeah. uh, in this uh, world that has been created. Uh, in the Fitzroy, there has been a poisonous gas that has covered the world and has created this post apocalyptic landscape. So it was definitely the world was covered by it. Uh, I believe I believe the world. Uh, I mean, that's why I have a question mark. Worldwide apocalypse. Yeah, it's hard. Um, to, it's hard to know for sure. I mean, they don't give yeah. a whole lot more than that, I, which I kind of actually liked. It's one of the uh, more interesting things with the film is they just kind of set the ex the whole exposition up right. within the uh, confines of the title credits, and then and they're just not kept they're not particularly clear either about when it takes place because apparently it's in the fifties, right? Uh, hmm. That's what the uh, synopsis says. I did, but they I did don't not say anything specific in the it. movie. Yeah. Yeah, that was a little tougher. It was it was harder for I think it was harder for, to convey that because um, it could have been. I mean, just a Wes Anderson film takes place in modern day, but everything looks like it's some from Alien World or something like that. Like some time has been lost. A lot of eighties and seventies and stuff mixed in with modern day stuff. So mm-hmm. um, you could have imagined this being a just a film that was set present day and not necessarily the nineteen fifties. Um, but yeah, apparently it was in the past. Worldwide apocalypse. The owners, bellboy tenants. Um, and some of the people in town are all gathered up and they, uh, make their way to a Soviet submarine that has appeared, uh, for some reason off the coast empty, apparently no one's in it. Uh, cause they just all pile in and they set up the hotel, the Fitzroy. Um, and they run it mostly on getting quote unquote money from long-term tenants. So people who just live in the, in the submarine, uh, forever. And the money now is tea. So that's one of the jokes is that in England, the world has collapsed. And so everything's paid for in tea, which is in limited supply. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not getting any more tea. So now tea is traded as if it were like gold. They pay yeah. their rent in tea. They bribe people with tea. Tea um, and the biscuits. Peop- they got they got some of the little like dinner, yeah. like uh, dessert wafers and stuff too, which is like the supreme luxurious uh, uh, resource. And then, so we open up, and, and basically, it's a day in the life of uh, the bellboy, uh, whose name was I'm Bernard. 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 Said Bernard. Uh, Bernard is uh, serving breakfast, which is more or less just anonymous cans of food. And everyone's kind of hoping they get meat. They never get meat. They always just get prunes. Um, and he kind of saves meat, which is really dog food. 
uh, for his special lady. Um, that's Sonia, who he has a bit of a crush on. She's a uh, former lounge singer or star of some sort. She uh, clearly he she was famous enough to have a record made because he plays a record that she had, um, and he's in love with her. So he tries to uh, kind of be sweet to her and give her things and stuff like that. Even though he's, everyone kind of makes fun of Bernard because he's a bit of a um, weakling. Yeah, he's, a little push uh, over. Doesn't have a backbone. Push over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't have a backbone. Um, the owner uh, is Sissel, uh, played by David Shaw, who that the Inbetweeners was the show that he was in. Right, that, right. I, that's, I that's one I was going to guess. I couldn't think of the name yeah. either. Yeah, and then... Um, so Cecil, he owns the thing and he's always uh, badgering the bellboy, kind of like um, saying how he's just a piece of shit or whatever, even though he's clearly the only one kind of keeping things running. Um, Cecil really just uh, keeps things running by forcing people to pay rent and being really, really stingy with the rent and making sure like everyone's always paying the pound of flesh uh to him and then otherwise if you don't have it uh, as is the case with sonia he gets it in the form of sex which is unpleasant because he is an unpleasant person and so he's basically like uh blackmailing her into um having sex with them and then there's other people on this the submarine i'm not sure how many we should go through i guess uh there's the was the the general the captain uh, yeah. who's like a clearly a former nazi captain of some sort um uh, who is good friends with a chicken that he has, Henrietta, I think, uh, was the name. And uh, he's crazy. Uh, then there's an actual crazy person who just yells doom all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and it's pretty aggravating. Uh, I wish that character was not in the um, I feel like film. I recognized him. Of, of anyone in the movie? He was He was actually, he's a, he's a prominent actor. Oh, okay. Uh, both, both, actually, both it. those, the, the captain and uh, the Doom guy were both uh, prominent actors. They were the ones that you're able to pretty easily uh, use for Phantom Zone because they're, they're, they're well known. Um, who, else is, who else is on there? Uh, there's the older lady who's, mm -hmm. kind, who's got like a bird. And one of the early scenes we see Bernard kind of, uh, uh, she needs some help with the bird. And he comes in and the bird is dead. Uh, and, and it's made clear that. Uh, the reason it died was because of the gas from outside. She has a leak in the room and he takes care of it and all that. But he's, it's, I think it's supposed to show like he's the only one keeping things together mm -hmm. um, in, in a comic fashion. Uh, Cecil's wife, uh, did you mention her? No, she's, she, she was actually my least favorite. <laughs> yeah. She was way over the top, way over the top. Uh, and, but yeah, she's kind of like a unpleasant woman. Oh, there was Clearly, the band. They there don't like the, each other. There's like a oh, whole, yeah, and there's a whole band. Old, tiny I was gonna band. say this. I feel like there's a whole bunch of people on the submarine, but there's not actually many characters because there's a whole band that kind of plays along. It's it again in that Wes Anderson kind Very of way. Very Wes Anderson way. Yes. You have this band that kind of is is providing the soundtrack, like totally uh, breaking the, in real life. the third wall. Or right. is that what it's called? I think so. Like they would actually yeah, play wall, narrate yeah. fourth wall. Thank you with what's actually going on in the scene. Yep. And then, so like, you, and you have one, the cymbal player who just wants to use his cymbals, but he never gets to because they're on the submarine and that would be loud. And then uh, there's some honeymooners. That's another one of the opening scenes. They get a call and they've, they've got guests and it's this huge event because they never have guests. They only have these long-term uh, tenants. And so he goes out to the beach, Bernard, uh, to pick them up. There's a crazy later lady there that they've chained up because she was not being good um, and they kicked her off the submarine, uh, and she keeps on wanting to get back on. Uh, but these honeymooners are basically looking for vacation in an apocalypse. Uh, 
So they found this uh, submarine hotel. Uh, they go on to it, and this is going to be their their special treat. They pay. They're, they're shown they're wealthy. They pay in Darjeeling uh, tea, a very very fine tea. And then, uh, but he, I mean, the husband seems like a bit of a dope, uh, and seems seems like he kind of sucks. Uh, and the wife um, basically just wants. I guess entertainment. So even on the fly, they're like, "Oh, what's what's entertainment here?" And they're like, oh, "There's no entertainment." But Cecil kind of like, in a snap of fingers, is like, "No, we're having a big show, uh, a talent show." And so that's something that's set up for later in the film uh, that we're going to be seeing this talent show. Um, what happens now? Sonia is um. getting beat up by Cecil. What even, what happens, what's kind of the impetus <laughs> of the plot at this point? Uh, I'm kind of losing the thread until the, uh, until the uh, talent show a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not introduced yet that uh, Sonia wants to kill Cecil, right? Is that I think she, men- she mentions it. She mentions it offhand. Well, the I think, inspector shows up in here. Oh, there we go. So the inspector shows up. So there's, there's also a hotel inspector. Yeah. So the next morning, uh, the honeymoon couple goes out. And wants to um, be on the sit on the beach, and so they they go out to sit on the beach. And while they're there, a new quote unquote guest shows up, uh, and it's the inspector. And he's kind of supposed to be an intimidating figure because he comes from the hotel inspection um, company, and he he can kind of make or break the hotel. I guess this is this is just set up in a way that he can do whatever he wants. He's the police officer. He's everything in this world now. That's that's an apocalypse. Like he could even take the hotel away from the owners if he finds that it's not up to snuff. So even while like Barnard is like keeping everything together, this it's a hunk of junk submarine. So things are breaking all the time and the inspector's taking these notes. And so everyone's getting real nervous with the inspector. And the inspector as I said, it's like he wields a lot of power. So immediately Sonia starts to take a shine even as she's manipulating bernard into this potential plan to kill cecil and like take over the submarine she has a second um whatever in the fire another another thing cooking with the inspector as another way for her to um obtain the hotel her her end goal is to get the hotel so now she has bernard and the inspector potentially uh mm-hmm. working for her in that favor yeah, one one and character so, we I don't think you mentioned was the doctor. There's one. There's a. There's a. Oh doc, yes. There's a doctor yes. on the submarine who, who is uh, basically just a cannibal. Case. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only the only thing the only characteristic about him is that he's a cannibal. <laughs> he is clearly obsessed with the potential of dissecting and eating human beings, which is nice. And so yes, we get to the um, we get to the talent show and bernard's been telling sonia like you gotta sing like everyone wants to hear you sing it's gonna be amazing you are so great and so beautiful like you've got to go and sing and so they have this talent show and it is horrific um unpleasant to watch both in the movie by all accounts and for me watching the movie outside of it yeah it was pretty rough um they each, and, they each brought sort of their each member of the sub came forward and, and did their their little talent. Uh, there was some uh, a ventriloquist act by the uh, the crazy doctor who had like a headless puppet that he was uh, doing his uh, skit with, and uh, all the while the uh, the musical uh, ensemble was kind of uh, in the corner playing. I mean, it was it was very. Uh, quaint the the setup and everything but the the acts themselves were uh, extremely <laughs> cringe inducing 
Right. And then at the last moment, in walks Sonia, and she sings. And I, I couldn't tell. Could you guys tell? Was this supposed to be good or was she supposed to be like um I don't want to say like rusty or she I, was it supposed I to be got the case. The feeling like she she didn't have enough time to practice and yeah anything. she she wanted to she wanted to sing she used to be this great singer she gives this performance that is not great it's fine and um but Bernard with his like because he's so in love is like in his mind it's amazing but for everyone else so like Jesus okay thank God that's over um and she kind of runs off um upset about this and Cecil is also upset about this like oh you're showing off you're like doing this stuff he's very domineering over Sonia so Bernard comes upon the room and he's beating up um Sonia so he busts in is like hey you gotta stop but he's got no backbone so he kind of just like starts to back off and Sonia grabs a letter opener or whatever and stabs him and well, kills him. Well, Ber- think. Bernard shoves him shoves onto him her blade. Then, yeah. Just to be very clear about it. Yeah. So she's able to blame Bernard basically at, at a later point in the movie. Right. And so then he's, they think he's dead. And so the plan has more or less come together for Sonia. It's like, okay, we got to like cover this up. We got to blame it on his wife. Jealous in a jealous rage over me. It's killed Cecil, but they need to do some more work to make this like make any sense. So they move him to where he commonly sleeps. They take out the letter opener, which would clearly uh, indict um, Sonia and or implicate Sonia. And then they use a kitchen knife uh, to re-stab him. And as they're doing this, he wakes up and is clearly not dead. And so they have to stab him again and kill him. <laughs> so that was also that was actually a fairly amusing scene. That he actually was, he hadn't he hadn't been dead at all. He had just been like unconscious or whatever. And then they go to bed and are basically like uh, waiting for someone to discover this murder. At this point, we get the weird dream sequence, I believe. Yes. Yeah, where uh, Bernard imagines himself having sex with Sonia, and it turns into Cecil, and all kinds of kooky stuff happen. And they awaken to the screams of murder. So they're all prepared, Bernard and Sonia. They're prepared to approach and make their case for why it's not that they are actually uh, the murderers uh, when it turns out that it's actually Henrietta the chicken who has been killed. And, um, oh yeah, and I guess we forgot to mention, it's because like the the crazy person had to move into the room with the captain, was so annoyed with the chicken that he killed Henrietta. It's obvious, but the inspector, seeing that there's a murderer afoot, has decided to take it upon himself to do the investigation, even though he's... A hotel uh, poorly equipped. Yeah, he's not. He's not a police officer. So he's he's dumb as shit and has no idea what's going on, and just likes the power. He's basically power hungry and sees this opportunity and is like, "Great, I'm going to like investigate." So they're, while they're doing that, they discover the other murder as well, and so now they're convinced it's some kind of serial killer uh, that's on the loose. It must be someone in the submarine, obviously. And so he begins his investigation, which is more or less a way to do various bribes. Like if he's bribed by the the wife of Cecil, the the other owner of the submarine. And there's some tea and stuff like that. So he's all set to blame uh, Sonia for the murder uh, in accordance with what the wife wants because she wants her out of there anyways. And then um, at the same time, Sonia is kind of starting to approach 
uh, the or give give the eyes to the inspector to get get her on her side. So when it all comes down to it, she's re- he's ready to just like blame Sonia. They they have a they have a whole meeting. I'm gonna announce who the killer is. She points to. Oh no! Is this even the part? No, this isn't yet because then they they also they t- have the doctor do an autopsy. So the doctor is doing an autopsy on Cecil and clearly indicates being a crazy person, but also the smartest person on the submarine. It's like, obviously you guys did it to Bernard and Sonia. And they confront him about that. And they're like, what will it take for you to show your mouth? Realizing that it's not working, they um, tie him up, hit him over the head, tie him up and shove him into a, they brahm him basically. Yep, give him the brahm treatment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just like do the do the classic old Brahm and shove them up into that torp- torpedo tube. And at this point, they're, they're feeling pretty good about them. They're nervous, obviously. They're feeling pretty good about themselves. Bernard at this point is practicing. He's like taking his dick out of his pants. Like, okay, I'm the captain now. Uh, assuming that he's going to become the captain of this hotel. Um, and uh, they get all into a room. The inspector's going to announce what's going on. And he's going to finger... Uh, Sonia because of the uh, the wife wants him to but all of a sudden Bernard weak-willed Bernard stands up and is like I'm guilty I was the one who did it it's not her it's me and so that starts the end of the uh, climax of the movie where basically he goes on trial everyone is uh, hating on him mm-hmm. they're just like yeah it's an easy scapegoat everything's good so this guy Sonia's quick to throw him under the bus yeah, using the inspector to to potentially get the hotel because she he also taking this opportunity, he's like, okay, yes, the wife is not capable to run the hotel, so I'll put Sonia in charge and also maybe like uh, take over the boat for the hotel um, inspector corporation or whatever it is, and we can have our fun on this hotel together. And they have the trial. Um, he's clearly getting railroaded, um, and also they're pinning the chicken thing on him. Sonia's yeah, just like bad mouthing him. Um, everyone's talking shit, and he's clearly going to be uh, convicted, and he's found guilty. And they're going to hang him by the neck. Yeah, the, so old, the, old, over. the old crazy lady's in his corner and, and pleads his yeah, case. Yeah. But uh, which, is, which is a little interesting. I'm not really sure the point of all that. But well, it does show. Well, I mean, what you'll get to it where just he and the crazy lady were the only two that were on the boat to escape. At first, right. Yeah, which we'll get so to. Anyways. Yeah, they uh, they they convict him, and uh, the the inspector sentences him to death by hanging. Yeah, so they they put him over a, a pipe, and obviously, being a ramshackle piece of shit submarine, uh, it crashes to the ground. He's not actually killed. He gets up, and the inspector, enraged, is going to uh, shoot him, and everyone's going nuts, and the symbol guy is playing his symbols and stuff like that. And just as he shoots the, tries to shoot Bernard, uh, it ricochets off the symbol somehow and punctures the submarine and in the gas is coming in. And also at this point, they're going to be, they're going to start sinking because of the damage to the boat. And so everyone's freaking out. They're trying to escape. They're trying to evacuate. And in their like panic, they're kind of like messing, uh, they're, they're making it impossible for them to get out. Bernard is able to subdue the inspector and grab the gun and then with the lady that came to his aid is able to go to the uh, uh, front and force his way out of the boat and at first it looks like just him and the older lady is go- are going to escape 
but she kind of is like Bernard and he weak willed as he is, is like fine and brings everyone on board. They're all like, wait, where's the inspector and uh, the doctor? And the last thing we see is the submarine sinking and the doctor um, clearly going to eat the uh, uh, inspector. And they're all uh, on this tiny, tiny little boat and there's a leak and it's implied that they might die. But Bernard's life is still shit. And then yeah, the a big black vignette closes in on him, kind of completing the whole 1950s look, I guess. Yeah. So that's it. That was the Office Roy. Um, I don't know. It was, uh, it was a weird one. Yeah. Got mm-hmm. to do, you start, do you want to start off? Do you want to start off with sure. some reviews? Sure. I was about to say, you got to applaud the the uniqueness. I mean, we certainly haven't seen any anything close to this other than, you know, something like an actual, you know, Wes Anderson film with uh, The Life Aquatic, where it was just kind of that that uh, weird off-the-wall kind of black comedy, you know, set, set at sea. Um, so it, it, it was definitely unique, definitely had a lot of time uh, spent on a sub, um, had its charms. Um, there was the, uh, the, the title credits, which I thought, again, were very impressive, and I liked how it served to set up, set up the exposition for the whole film and do so in an uh, artistic and creative, uh, clever way. Um, you, like, totally got what was going on and got enough that you weren't really asking questions or caring much more beyond, you know, you were able to piece together a few of the other things that, you know, this is kind of a little old timey. You couldn't tell exactly what year they were in uh, without reading, I guess, the synopsis afterward, but it did enough to set up the the rest of the film. So the film could kind of get going. Um, and I thought sort of the first, you know, bits of it were, were fine uh, up to and through the introduction of the inspector. I thought it was kind of funny uh, how he was uh, kind of propped up as, you know, because he's from the council or whatever. He's like judge, jury and executioner uh, in this world. Um, and he, t- he wore all the hats on the boat of, you know, if you need an authority figure, he's stepping up to the plate to, to do it. And he's, you know, your balding mustachioed sort of, you know, British, you know, inspector. Uh, so it had, it had some charms like that, but I think, uh, for the most part, the, it was, it was aimless at times and, and a little clumsy, uh, it looked nice. I mean, I, I like some of the set design. Uh, it really felt like a, like a, like a play. Um, not as bad as like a school play, which is something I was teasing about in the, in the chat. But, uh, you know, a nicer, you know, stage, uh, performance. It, it felt like that kind of writing and that kind, and that kind of caliber of acting as well. Everything was a little, a little too over the top. Every character was truly a character, you know. There wasn't there wasn't many, you know, sort of straight men on the on the ship. It was everyone was just a little bit too ridiculous, you know. It was like hmm. there's the mad inspector and there's the mad doctor and there's the mad captain and the mad uh, submarine owner. Everything was like the the insane version of of itself, um, and, and it was kind of uh, forcing every, everyone to kind of take a back seat as everyone kind of you know, chewed the scenery a little bit and, and went a little overboard. Uh, and ultimately it was just, it just ended up being a really weird and awkward movie. And, um, and the story, you know, it was, again, it was kind of just ridiculous and aimless and didn't really have like a, a whole, 
meaning message or or plot really um and uh kind of lackluster ending uh just kind of threw it together it felt like there at the end but uh had some again had some merits so i gotta give it some points for that uh and a lot of time on the sub but ultimately i think i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a three and a half okay yeah i can jump in here i mean i i i think i think what you say is more or less right i think you have to be impressed with what they were able to do um not only on a micro budget but just in general the competence in which they were able to put together a feature film yeah and work with legitimate actors and uh kind of put it together in a way that makes it look like if you said oh this is a you know, just like one of those independent features by someone who's done a few, has a few films under their belt, I wouldn't have blinked and said like, what? It seems like a first film. It doesn't seem like a first film. It seems like something done by people who Correct. know what they're doing and can put it together and um, everything like that. I, but, but that being said, it's, it's and, and, and Kyle can edit this out if we're going to get them on for an interview. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's not, it's not perfect. Um I think yeah, as you say, like the the some of the side characters. Uh, honestly, I could have done without uh, uh, most of them, <laughs> other than I think Cecil and Bernard and Sonia, um, and even the older lady. I thought she was quite good, but the other ones are just a little over the top and and honestly a little aggravating <laughs> to yeah. have on screen. I didn't love even there like having to watch them because it is a little cringy um, yeah. to watch a bunch the guy of them. screaming and doom and the band, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Even the the honeymooners, like the the guy, they had like a brief glimpse of like a sex scene with them, and it's like I didn't I didn't love all that stuff. But I thought Bernard nicely cast; he did a good job. Um, I like the guy who played Cecil um, from Inbetweeners and stuff like that. He's funny. And then I thought Sonia's the casting for Sonia was particularly good, just because I think she she really looked the part and played the part well as kind of this um, post apocalyptic former voluptuous kind of um seductress uh that i think for someone like bernard it makes sense that he's kind of obsessed with her even if you know she's still in the scope of what the movie is she's more or less just seducing a two-star hotel submarine owner like that's the extent of her seductressness like she's not some crazy james bond seductress like she's a two-star she's supposed to be a two-star seductress and yet bernard is like obsessed with her and i feel like she really fit that quality in the way she she played it out and stuff like that so there's a lot there's some positives there um some negatives there i was actually i was going to come in a little higher than you i do feel like this fits in line with something gonna be weird to say but what we did last week with resident evil where visually i feel like there's a lot to say yeah um, with some of the stuff you you get to enjoy, um, just fun stuff you get to enjoy, it's there, but the story is, just doesn't work very well. So I was going to actually come in at a similar spot to there, just below, kind of midway, at something like a, I guess like a four. I think I get four and a half to Resident Evil. That makes sense. This is more like a four. Yep. That's where I was. I was between a three and a half and a four. All right. Bring us home, one, Alex. Some, what do you got? Well, upon immediately watching this, like I think I texted the group, was like, "Does anyone else felt uncomfortable watching it?" <laughs> and, 
Again, I, Kyle, edit this out. Uh, yeah, if we've if got anybody be. coming on. <laughs> um, we I, loved I, it. I did end up watching the whole film. Um, where for almost most of the films that we get through, if I start feeling that way, I'll just turn it off and stop. But this one, I actually finished all the way through. I when I read the synopsis, I was kind of intrigued originally because it sounded pretty good, and I love black comedies to begin with or dark humor, whichever way you want to look at it. And it's just so. it's there but it's not as much as i guess i would assume like american humor as opposed to this was definitely more british humor so i know theirs is already dry to begin with um so i guess my expectations were a little bit higher so i felt a little bit yeah and actually just to butt in there i actually think what you say there makes a lot of sense this this feels like something that would have been a british sitcom or something at some point like the submarine hotel, right. yeah, almost like like a, like a faulty towers type thing, but like it's a little old school and a little and very British to have a mm-hmm. show like this or a movie like this. Well, I I even watched Faulty Towers and I found myself laughing a lot at this or that show. I mean, it's mm-hmm. old and classic, <laughs> but this one it just didn't uh, it it didn't do it for me. Um, one of the things that I did find pretty interesting and the the overall filmmaking quality was very high because. With it being on a submarine, you felt claustrophobic almost the entire film. Um, mm-hmm. das, das Boot did a really good job of making you feel like that. Some other movies too, but there's also been other movies when you've been on the submarine and it, you know it feels like you're in a a giant warehouse filming this. You know, this yeah. really felt. If it really was done on a submarine, I don't know, but it immediately you just feel claustrophobic. You feel how close and tight everybody is, and so it really gives off that feeling of being in a submarine. Which I, that part I did. For us being a submarine podcast, I did admire that, that, that they stayed true to that. And it didn't seem too over the top um, with being uh, extravagant with this being supposedly one of the last hotels <laughs> on the earth, I guess. It just very – Ben, I think you said earlier quaint. I think that's a pretty good word for it. Yeah, it was it was definitely dark and grungy, but there was still a warmness to it. I think they did a really good job with the the set design for sure. <laughs> The story was really confusing. I know, Ben, you said earlier you kind of liked how they didn't really explain too much of why it was post-apocalyptic. <laughs> I, I wish they would have just given us a little bit more just because that question was from the very beginning of the film. We were like, okay, well, it's post-apocalyptic. Why? And that was just something that stuck with me the entire time, and you never really got a full answer. I kind of also wish there was more info or more of a storyline for that crazy girl that they had locked yeah. outside of the yeah, sub because everyone else in that sub was pretty crazy. <laughs> so for her to actually be chained up out there, is she really crazy or was she normal? And we just don't know. Oh, that's actually, that's actually a good point. I like that idea. The other, the other um, possibility I thought was they mentioned how someone had just died um, because of a broken air filter. And mm-hmm. I wonder if, if it was her. Well, that like maybe they lived in the room together. She broke the air filter. The guy died, and she gets chained up outside, and that's mm-hmm. kind of like the punishment for having yeah. killed one of the guests. Because they okay. said there's only one open room, kind of. But right, that's right. Yeah, that's that's cool. I like that idea. I, I, yeah, I think that was the bigger question for me than what actually caused it. Because I think I think they again they did it in such a smart way that like you found out like almost immediately after the after they did the intro credits, and then they don't talk about it like in the first five to ten minutes that you kind of understand like oh they're never going to talk about it like the title credits were were the exposition but yeah, yeah that yeah. woman they do show and introduce but then they never give you a background on it so that was kind of interesting there is a accompanying comic they made 
I think it was a, maybe six issues, or maybe that was the plan. I know at, at least one of them was released. So, I, but I'm not sure it has much to do with the um, the current situation. Like, I'm not sure you'd actually find out much about that lady. Uh, it may, I think it's a parallel storyline mm. um, involving the Fitzroy. So, um, I don't know. But yeah, they they also did make some comic book stuff. Interesting. So you could find out? Yeah, we could. Maybe after reading it, maybe it might raise my score higher. You never know. Um, Mm. Anyways, long story short, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half, just like Ben. Um, Not my favorite. That makes sense. Not my absolute worst film. I I got through it. It it had just enough kind of keeping me going instead of just turning it off. Yeah. which uh, and, I, and I won't even say I won't even say like regardless of whether we get them on for an interview. Oh, that's not a big deal. Uh, I think I, I am. I was very impressed with what they were able to do. I would yes. agree. Um, sometimes, sometimes we watch something. We watch something like Agent Red or something, and we're like, I could make this movie, and we're barely joking. Like it's it's. I could probably make something that's better than Stinger. At least I would have the sense not to release it. Right. Um, yeah. I was in a independent you know, small film with, you know, kind of junior filmmakers that were, were... Yeah, you were like a zombie or something, right? Yeah. And, I mean, I, I had a few uh, uh, speaking parts in the in the film, but we, we fell so far short of, of what they were able to accomplish with this. Um, right. Like, yeah, there was, there was a lot to be impressed by here. For, um, for their budget, it, amazing, like, quality coming out of it for yeah. what their yeah. budget was. Absolutely. Yep. All right. I don't, we don't have any love it or hate it. Um, <laughs> I was telling correct. Ben when I was looking at this, I I think I only found like three reviews for the whole movie. It's very, it's, it's very few. It's yeah. very few. And a lot of, and a lot of the reviews kind of come in similar to, to what we're saying, which is kind of an appreciation. Oh, yeah. I just, of, I just started scrolling with, down here through IMDb. Some story stuff. Yeah. yeah. And they're, they're saying a lot of the same things, you know, brilliantly and interestingly shot, yet, you know, just only still a pretty good movie. And right. and ch- channels a little bit of that Wes Anderson vibe. They mentioned Faulty Tower. Yeah, I thought we're certainly not alone on it. I mean, we we can see who the ins- who and what the inspiration was here and what they were going for. Duly impressed. All right, ready for some trivia? Yep. And again, I you guys I guess have been on since uh, I changed it up, but this is truly trivia. So are you ready to answer some questions along with this trivia? Sure. Sure. All right. Uh, portions of the filming were seen in the documentary "Bid for My Life." So the actor who played the doctor quote unquote the doctor the mm-hmm. crazy doctor mm-hmm. james hammer morton auctioned off days of his life every day or sets of his uh, days of his life in a, in a month not to the highest bidder and you can actually see this film and production of this film in uh some of the weblogs uh that are associated with that uh as well as the full documentary i guess um and so he was won quote unquote won by the producers uh in order and they use that day that they bid on or the days that they bid on for him to film his portions of the uh, of the movie. I, I presume this is why he gets shoved into a torpedo tube at one point because he wasn't there a lot of the days that they filmed. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, you can see a bunch of the behind-the-scenes footage, kind of him just, like, walking into a random house to do makeup and costuming and stuff like that. And so uh, just, just what kind of production you're looking at. So it's kind of interesting. In That's that awesome. And so uh, talking about documentary films, no documentary film has ever been nominated for a Best Picture Oscar. But what documentary won the Palme d'Or at Cannes and subsequently refused to enter the Best Documentary Feature category and instead only entered the Best Picture category 
uh, for the Oscars, but did not get nominated. Mm. I can give you a hint, too. What's, what's, you hint? what's the one where they walk between the Twin Towers? That one. You think Man on a Wire? Man on the Wire. Nope. Uh, so, hint. The director also did a film that is tangentially related to one of me and Kyle's great passions in life. Think of what me and Kyle talk about sometimes. Bowling. What we're doing. Right? Bowling so he had for a documentary. Columbine. Which was done by uh, Michael Moore. Michael Moore, yeah. Who also had a documentary later that he did this thing for. Oh. It's the George W. Bush one. Hint. Oh, I don't know Fahrenheit 9-11. There we go. So that was the one. He won the Palme d'Or at Cannes and then uh, yeah, only entered sense. in Best Picture. And he actually, uh, Bowling for Columbine was the one that actually won the Oscar for Best Documentary. Hmm. Okay. All right, the, the film was funded in large part through Kickstarter, raising about 70,000 pounds for the production. Uh, it also took quite a bit of time for the campaign uh, to go from funding all the way to release. So the, fun, the funds were all raised in late uh, 2012. Uh, this film was officially released in 2017, although back in, to, uh, in 2015, uh, it had started making some of the uh, festival rounds. So I think they, they finished filming in 14. They were more or less done in 15. And then it took a, a few more years to get like an official release on things like Amazon Prime and stuff like that and get a DVD and all that. Uh, so it's quite the journey. All right. So at this point, there are a number of notable films that have been far funded partially or in full by crowdsourcing. Can anyone name one of those films? Can either of you name a film? That Resident you know? Evil 5. Yeah. <laughs> no. no. Uh, Veronica Mars, I remember that being yes. like a big deal. Yes. One of the most so, funded projects of all time, I think. So yes, I, I believe actually that one is the highest funded movie project of all time. Uh, the other ones are Super Troopers 2, Laser Team, uh, Anomalisa, which is interesting because it was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, Veronica Mars, Obvious Child, Blue Mountain, State the Movie, which is <laughs> based on a show that is both the worst show and the best show I've ever watched. Yep. It's terrible. Uh, then there's uh, major bonus points. Do you know what Bad Movie Twins, that's badmovietwins.com, uh, film was crowdfunded in part? There's only one that we ever watched that was crowdfunded in part. You'll never get it. Okay. <laughs> it is just <laughs> <laughs> is Atlas Shrugged Part Three? Atlas who is John Shrugged. Galt? Atlas. Atlas. Atlas Shrugged Part Three. Who is John Galt? Question mark. Okay. So it's the third third part in the Atlas Shrugged series that was released by right wing uh, media. I guess uh, the first two were major motion pictures. The third one was crowdfunded and was a pile of shit. I've never even heard of them. How much money did that one raise? Uh, that one raised, I think, $400,000 or $200,000 or something. Uh, it was it, Overall, the production was $5 million, uh, and it made a whopping $800,000 at the box office. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And then uh, there's some other ones like The Canyons, uh, which starred Lindsay Lohan, um, and I think James Dean, the porn star. Uh, and that was an official BMT, but we watched that for uh, because it was nominated for Razzies. And then Samurai Cop Two was also crowds crowdsourced, but it was um, it's a sequel to one that we've watched as part of BMT, but not an actual um, qualifying film. All right, the submarine in the film was U four seven five Black Widow, a Soviet Soviet submarine that was originally named uh, B forty nine. The new name was given when it was bought. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's a misnomer. It's a Soviet submarine, but they wanted they just decided to call it U four seven five Black Widow, just for for like tourist reasons, I guess. Oh. <laughs> uh, it's a Foxtrot class submarine according to NATO uh, classifications. Uh, what other submersion, this is a hard one, what other submersion film did the submarine act in? Now, the hints are think British and think 
actors who are British. <laughs> uh, and also think think of ru- rusty hunk of junk submarine that a British actor uh, is trapped in. Oh, are we talking about? No, that couldn't be it. Was it the one with Jude Law? What's that movie? Yeah. Uh, good, Black good, Sea. Black Sea. That's it. Good one. Wow. Remember? Rusty Hunk of Junk. The same when you said Rusty Hunk of Junk, it made me think of uh, Operation Petticoat. Oh, that thing was a piece of junk, uh, too. That's, that a, that's yeah. a Hollywood <laughs> film, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And that's a long time ago. Um, yeah. So that, that one, I, I think I think if you saw the torpedo tubes when they load the doctor in, um, you I think that you could probably see how the two submarines match up. Otherwise, I don't mm-hmm. recall the filming in that submarine uh, really feeling the same as this one. But apparently it's the same submarine. Wow. Then I won the Special Jury Recognition and Audience Award for Excellence in Title Design at the 2015 oh, yeah. uh, South by Southwest Festival. Mm. So let's do an easy one. Uh, where is South by Southwest? Isn't it uh, Austin? Yes. Now a harder one. There was a, ba- a band. What band featuring three brothers were discovered at, in, at South by Southwest in 1994 when their father took them there for an impromptu Hanson. audition? Yes, good one. Wow, how'd you know that? Do you know that story? No, I don't know the story, but you just said three <laughs> brothers in 1990s. So, I mean, that narrows it down quite a bit. <laughs> I just, I couldn't believe that you pulled out a three brother band and it was like Hanson, 100%. I, I, done. I know a lot of music trivia, so that one's kind of up my, uh, my boat right. there a little bit. Uh. And then we'll quickly do a little bit of Phantom Zen. Engage the Phantom. Phantom's engaged, sir. Uh, so I thought this was going to be a stumper, but nope. The Crazy Doomsayer is actually in Firefox, a Clint Eastwood film. It's one that Patrick actually just sent me recently. It was like, tell me when you do this film, because it looks pretty uh, pretty nuts. Um, it's a little hard to say how prominently the submarine plays. Clear, there's definitely some pictures, some stills from the movie, where you can see a submarine sail breaking through the ice. So certainly qualifying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, but it's mostly about experimental planes and shit. Uh, so, and then the captain in the, in the Fitzroy was also in Madame Sin, which we've used before. So each of these are easy, uh, because Madame Sin features Robert Wagner, who was in Austin Powers. And the Firefox features, uh, Michael Curry, who was in G.I. Jane with Jason Bega, who was also, he was just in Phantom. He was like straight up in Phantom. All right. And then the final question in association with Phantom Zone. Where do we think Ed Harris fits in this film? What role? Um, and you can't say seductress because I already have that marked down on my no. list. Absolutely. Well, I mean, he <sighs> looks closest physically to Cecil, but I don't really want to see him as that. I can't really no. see him as that character. I could see him being the doctor a little crazy. Uh, no, actually, no. I don't think maybe, I could. Maybe no. like the captain, if they filled the role out a little bit more, he's like the yeah. They had to they had to fill it out. Otherwise, you have to be the inspector, right? Yeah, I think so. And the the character of the inspector would be much different. It'd be a much more stoic kind of uh, like an actual like over overbearing seems- presence that like holy right, shit, yeah, everyone yeah. just like fears for their life when this guy's yeah. in the room. Yeah. yeah, or maybe, maybe that would actually be the way they play it. They'd yeah. have the inspector be like everyone's brushing him off, like a hotel inspector, whoever. But then it turns out that he's like yeah, he actually – like, like maybe even uh, Bernard and Sonia are like, oh, we can dupe this guy. Like the inspector, like we can dupe him. Yeah, and he, and then like, he shows descends, up and he's fucking yeah. Ed He Harris. takes his mask off and like his uh, – got like the fedora and the trench coat on and like <laughs> so he peers up and the shadows like – 
lick across his face and then you see the light illuminate his his like eyes beady eyes staring at the owners and everyone just kind of shakes in their boots yeah so this is actually appropriate that we're talking about ed harris because he was considered uh because he was actually already in a great film about a hotel submarine <clears throat> have you guys ever seen it probably not <laughs> i mean it's, it's called uh submarine hotel uh going deep for some z's uh, it was an experimental mm-hmm. film. It ran just over 57 <laughs> hours. I don't know. You, you definitely didn't see it then. It was 57 hours long. Nope. And it, consi- it consisted entirely of footage of Ed Harris sleeping on a submarine. Uh, so 48 hours into it, the director became concerned because Ed had not moved or awoken the entire time. He had not eaten, drank any liquids, gone to the bathroom, or moved even the slightest bit for over two days. And so then he, he went over and checked his pulse. And they found that he had died. So they, they attempted just to shove him into a torpedo tube and eject him. Uh, but then at, the, at that very moment, Ed Harris, he woke up. And he asked them what they were up to. Uh, and then he explains that he gets 48 hours of sleep every night. That's how actually his, his like routine. Um, and his resting heart rate is about eight. So he went back to sleep for nine more hours. That was the rest of the movie. Um, and this was all caught on film. And so uh, this, was, this wasn't really released to theaters, but then through some creative editing, they re-edited it into a Hollywood film. Uh, it's, a, it's a tiny film. I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's called The Paranormal Activity. It's originally this movie that they made. Uh, I have heard of that one. Oh, okay. And then actually, I forgot what it was, though. I had one more question. I forgot it. So, a Final Jeopardy round, famous voyages. Captain Robert Fitzroy of this ship argued that its scientific discoveries supported the Bible. Say, Captain Robert Fitzroy of this ship argued that its scientific discoveries supported the Bible. Scientific discoveries of this ship supported oh. the Bible. Did it give so a year of, or anything? No. So think of a think of a great voyage in which great scientific discoveries. I mean, are we talking like a are associated like a global exploration, like a Christopher Columbus no, type thing? I'm I'm talking like I'm talking like scientific, like the brain level scientific ventures scientific ventures they may have stopped a little bit in the galapagos have i heard of it yep great voyage associated with the galapagos i don't know maybe my, a little, i don't know my great voyages jamie maybe charles darwin may have been putting on his spectacles on such a voyage and discovering evolution okay okay well, anyways, it's the USS Beagle. <laughs> okay. Never, Captain never by Fitzroy. <laughs> never would have got that. It's the Beagle. You guys uh, never heard of the Beagle? No. Surprisingly, I don't Beagle. think this one. I've heard, I've, I've heard, I've heard of, of evolution. Yeah. So the Beagle was the, <laughs> the ship that Darwin was on that went to the Galapagos, and he stopped in all kinds of places and collected all kinds of Yeah, learned about uh, the Galapagos Finch and uh, yeah. genotyping or whatever the heck it's called. Oh, he didn't discover. He didn't talk about genotyping. Not well, there, there was something with uh, the Galapagos finch and and uh, how it evolved or adapted or some bullshit. Oh, yeah, it was about isolation and stuff like that. But they didn't at that point. They didn't know how it all worked. That was that was like uh, Mendelssohn or whatever Swiss guy. Cool. Right. That's <laughs> that's what I got. Bring in your science. I should, I, should I talk about more evolution stuff? Or no, no we're good. I think oh. I think we're good on that. Yeah, if only the movie Evolution had a submarine, then I could talk about evolution all the time. Maybe it does, and we just missed it. No way, because I would know, because it's got uh, David Duchovny in it. 
We would have found that out long ago. Maybe there's like a picture in the background of the Phantom submarine. He just Maybe he, it. he pops in. He pops in a DVD copy of Phantom in the oh, middle of Evolution. That would be awesome. That would just tie it all together, then, wouldn't it? Hmm. All right. Are we ready for a countdown? Well, or we should we do? Uh, should we do? So let's, do let's do some news. Yeah. I think I was actually looking up news. If you may recall, a couple weeks ago, I was talking about a lawsuit that was going on between, I think, the U.S. government and a company um, that had used their submarine and struck the Titanic. Um, If you recall, that company's name was Triton. Well, Triton now has a uh, new submersible 24-seater tourist submarine called the Deep View. Um, So... If, uh, if you're rich enough, I'm sure it doesn't say an exact price, but you'll be able to go down with 23 other passengers. Um, doesn't exactly say where it's going to go, but it is a submersible nonetheless that they'll be able to take down. With windows? Yeah. Yep. It's got windows on the side. And uh, it so, actually. But are we talking about Windows 95 or Windows NT? It probably runs off 95. If I had to guess. Or maybe XP. Yeah. You got mm-hmm. to keep that shit simple. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want yeah. anything to go wrong. Uh, it says um, that this company has done some other pretty breakthrough stuff. Obviously, we've heard about them before, but this seems pretty crazy that it's going to take 24 passengers down. It can go up to 100 meters, 328 feet, um, which I don't know what all you're going to be able to see that far. It doesn't really say too much about the external lights, so I don't know how much you're going to see once you actually get down far enough because I assume light probably doesn't go down that far. Um, but it is able Sorry, to. How, how, did, how deep does it go? 328 feet, 100 meters. 328 feet. Is the Titanic huh. within 100 meters? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know about or that. Just, yeah. It's just the same company meters. is what I was saying. So maybe, yeah. maybe oh, they might I see. take you out there. I don't know. I see, because I was going to say, like, I feel like the Titanic is yeah, like, way yeah. deeper yeah. than that. It'll no, probably it's just be the, like some coral reefs or something they'll do with it. Was, okay. It was the yeah, same. I, it. I think it's the same company that hit the Titanic. They now have are announcing this so yeah that's uh, still cool overall, that'd be, i mean that's pretty cool i mean cramming 24 people and uh yeah actually like i that. lied it's uh it's got 10 20 000 lumen leds outside so it'll be able to light up everything <laughs> so it's gonna be pretty dark down there uh but it can be underwater for a uh, full 14 hours which is pretty crazy to think about that it's taking just civilians down uh for 14 so hours so my first question would be is there a bathroom on this thing <laughs> doesn't look like it so you gotta bring oh boy there's probably a horror movie in the works based off this thing though (laughs) yeah i'm gonna be horrified when i'm pounding beers and i have to go to the bathroom (laughs) do it for like a bachelor party and everybody's just super drunk (laughs) (laughs) uh it does sound pretty technical though and uh or technological because the pilot uh or the captain can use a joystick and a touchscreen to navigate this thing completely um overall though it puts around at Three knots, so that's uh, pretty slow. We can probably walk faster than that. Uh, what are the by next the way, big- t- Titanic Titanic uh, is twelve thousand five hundred feet. Okay. Yeah, so definitely not getting done to the Titanic. Then is it's it? not going to make not, it. No. But what happens if they push it? Going past depth charge. 
Crushed depth. Sorry. Crushed depth. There we go. Yeah, yeah going past. <laughs> going below the depth charges to crush depth. Yes. Another article I found uh, has to do with Russian spying. Um, I guess French Navy was doing some submarine trials nearby, um, according to this on May 6th. And this is from our guy that we have referenced a lot, H.I. Sutton. So we know what he's talking about is true. Um, not too far off from where they were doing this, there was a Russian spy loitering near them. So the general news is that uh, Russians are just keeping tracks on uh, the Navy the French Navy, for whatever reason, um, I think we've seen before. I don't think the French Navy really has that many submarines because I think we've talked about that before in the past that they were even a generation or two behind uh, where oh, the I don't U.S. Know. was. The French, French is like wheeling and dealing. I think they're the ones you sell to Australia and stuff. I mean, was it them? Got I the, thought, I thought the, it was India that sold to them. <sighs> no, India is the one with the screen door. Or whatever they got the leak. In yeah, their, yeah, that's uh, true. Exactly, but I thought it was still them. Mm, we'll look into it. Maybe you're right. Either way, um, kind of interesting, I guess, just to think about. You know, in case there is to be another world war, I think Russia would have the uh, the ups on the French on the French Navy, and they probably won't be much help again. Uh, let's see here, and then back to speaking of uh, Australia. Another article I found, uh, construction of Australia's future submarine to start in 2024. So um, if they have been buying, <laughs> which I'll look into that for you guys, um, they're finally going, uh, they're finally getting their first contract built with Lockheed Martin of Australia. So pretty large defense contractor company uh, will be working with Australia so they can be making 12 attack class conventionally power submarines that'll start in 2024. So they're coming along. All right. Did you find any other news? I know you always like to um, look it up I, too. I, yeah. So this, I'm, I'm looking at like, so that same place that, that reviewed uh, this film is called film threat. It's an independent movie review site. And they just posted May 6th, 2020. They, they posted something for a film called Subferatu, a submarine vampire Vamp, yeah. huh. movie, Subferatu 2020. Uh, they give it a four, 4.5 out of 10, so we know it's good. Uh, and yeah, so we have another another thing to look forward to, I guess. I, I was just looking for recent things that have come out with, with submarine films, and that's one of the ones that shot up to the top. Subferatu. Yeah, it's kind of adjacent to some stuff we've been asking for. I think weren't we hoping for like a werewolf on a submarine movie? Yeah, I think this I, is close. I thought, wasn't there <laughs> supposed to be like a lesbian vampire submarine movie? Ooh. Well, yeah. So that's a different. That was the Pitts, that was the Pittsburgh University of Pittsburgh thing. All right. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Thank you. That's all I have. All right. right, let's get let's get let's get a little countdown. Let's finish this up with a countdown. All right, we are gonna count down tonight. Tube three, ready to fire, sir. Commence the countdown. Give it to me. Got five five items for you. So tonight we watched Fitzroy. Uh, found ourselves on a submarine hotel. Uh, 
If you want a similar experience, you know, of course, you can sleep overnight on uh, some submarines. There are a few submarines. Uh, if you look it up, I think we were talking about doing that ourselves one of these uh, one of these years of, of, as we've been uh, podcasting for a number of years now. Um, but um, also, there are many other bizarre hotels across the world if you want a unique lodging experience so we are going to count down our top five weirdest hotels in the world all right so i tried to avoid uh like the glorified bed and breakfasts of the world there's like some you know like single room you know like you know tree houses and and, uh there's like a dog-shaped house it was like you like ascend a set of stairs and you're like inside of a a dog um paint Mm. it's painted in in the shape of a dog oh i see yeah uh, and yeah, the, the, the body of the dog was like the room proper. And then there was like a loft up, up like its neck and head area, but like, it's just one room. It's, cool. it's not really a hotel. It It is cool. It was actually a pretty impressive looking build, but, uh, that's not what I think of when I think of a hotel. But can I, can I ask another question? So if, like theoretically, if old mother Hubbard put the shoe on Airbnb, is this on your list? Um, if it's just like one room or maybe two house. rooms, oh, a, she lives in the house. That's a whole house. That, that's Airbnb. But it's Airbnb. Yeah. But it's Airbnb. Yeah. Now that would make the cut. Okay, got it. I want the more hotel that's experience. I want the Bell Boys. You know, that's what we had here on the Fitzroy. I want that uh, limp wristed, you know, milk toast Bell Boy experience. Right. So number five, we're going to start off with Hotel Costa Verde in Costa Rica. This hotel is an upcycled Boeing 727 perched high Hmm. in the jungle canopies of Costa Rica. The interior of the fuselage has been hollowed out and paneled with warm teak wood and boasts an impressive view of the jungle and sea. At Hotel Costa Verde, you may finally be able to fall asleep on a plane. (laughs) Does Just a quick question about that. Have you you seen pictures of this guy? I have, yes. Does it look like a, a plane inside? It does not look like a plane inside. It definitely looks like so, a plane crashing through the jungle on the outside, though. But what's the point? Um, I don't know. It's still it's still a, a tubular fuselage. So I mean, you might you might realize, and you got all the, the 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 airplane windows. I mean, you you realize probably being inside if you were knocked unconscious and dropped in, and you'd be like, "What? Where the hell?" You you probably think you're like in a in a in a boat or or some sort of repurposed vessel. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, like you gotta go. You gotta warm it up a little bit. I mean, uh, airplanes are uh, famously uncomfortable. I I wouldn't try to <laughs> just directly <laughs> translate an airplane over to being a, a hotel. You gotta you gotta do some work in there. It actually is very warm looking. Again, I did the little write up here. It is uh like you go right into like this nice um uh woodworking is incredible. Nice little bar area and everything. You go back into the back to the lodging section and all that. See, I would it's, go uh, the opposite. I would make the rooms just the aisles. And then you could rent up to I mean you three people can go into that or if you wanted some extra room. But you each person would just like stay in an aisle. So it'd be a very tiny room. Okay. I could see that too. I I, I didn't do a, 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 a like a virtual tour, so that, that mm-hmm. very well could be similar to how they've actually got the room set up. I just kind of saw the bar area. Uh, I'm selling these to you guys. I'm I'm kind of like the uh, the trip advisor agent, the travel agent here. So you guys will have to tell me which one I uh, I convinced you on. All right. Okay. All right. Did you come up with that slogan yourself? Yes. Okay, that might have sold me right there. <laughs> hey, I got I got to let the cat in. 
It's in my window. You're going to have to wait. She's kind of working away in the window now. <laughs> All right, there she goes. Uh, talk amongst yourselves. I got a, I got a letter out no, there. No, we're right? the best. We're, we're just the best podcast. That's all I got to say. Kyle can edit this out, but I actually would prefer if he didn't, because we had that one time when the cat was like playing guitar or something. Oh, uh, yeah. Hanging on the guitar. That was great. I'm back. Enjoyed yeah, she, that. Did, she, did, uh, she did play the guitar one night. Uh, number four, we got Sea Ventures Dive Rig Malaysia. This hotel is a decommissioned oil rig that has been repurposed as a scuba diving staging area and lodge. The hotel hmm. is 30 minutes away from Sipadan Island, perhaps, Malaysia, referred to by some as the scuba diving Mecca. The hotel boasts a 4.5 rating on TripAdvisor, but appears to be a little more utilitarian than cozy. Sea Ventures serves as a popular spot for scuba training and credentialing. Seems like you have to really be into scuba diving for that one. Yeah. I, I think so. Uh, all the pictures of people that have uh, lodged there were in their, like, scuba crew. Like, five or six guys and gals gathered around in wetsuits and everything. So Yeah, that kind of reminds me. So, when I, was, when I did vacation in Wyoming, I stayed at a place that was very much like a snowmobiling place. But it was one of the nicer ones. So, you didn't actually have to snowmobile. We snowmobiled, like, a little bit. But then we did a bunch of other stuff. Whereas they they were telling me like there were a bunch of snowmobiling places nearby that were like no reason to stay there unless you were snowmobiling. Like it was similar to what you're describing, like utilitarian. Like people came in to snowmobile, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that might be that might be the vibe here as well. I guess um, you only have like three or four people lodging on the rig, maybe at a time, and the rest is like all the crew trying to like you know service you and your your uh, fellow shipmates there with uh, food and amenities and all that good stuff. Um, number three is the Ottoman Cave Suites in Turkey. Uh, this hotel is one of multiple cavernous hotels carved into the ancient volcanic stone of the Cappadocia region. The rich furnishings, hardwood floors, and underlighting combine to create one of the more visually captivating hotels on my list. The walls are scalloped, visibly indicating each individual chisel mark that made your room a reality. Hmm. That sounds nice. It is a pretty impressive looking uh, room. Uh, it's hard to imagine being in a cave, but it is... It is done in a way that it looks very clean, warm, inviting, rich, uh, pretty impressive looking hotel. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the hardwood floors and the, and the rugs and everything uh, spruce it up a little bit. Um, number two is the Zond Hotel Os. Created by Dutch sand sculptors, Zond Hotel Os is a habitable sandcastle in Os, Netherlands. Its exterior looks like a giant sandcastle complete with turrets and towers, while the interior is remarkably true to the theme. Only the beds, curtains, furnitures, and appliances are non-sand. How do they get it to stay up? I guess there's hardeners and uh, other additives they, they uh, mix into the sand oh. that uh, keep it sturdy, and they promise you aren't going to get like sand on your feet and toes, so... Hmm. Wow, interesting. Whatever they've done, they've done well. Where is that at? Yeah. You said Australia? No, the Netherlands. Oh, Netherlands, excuse me. 
I guess they've uh, they did it a few years ago, and they ended up they ended up, they've made uh, an additional uh, hotel every year since uh, across Netherlands. I guess. Hmm. Number oh, Anakin Anakin Skywalker would hate that one. <laughs> the sand it gets everywhere. <laughs> yeah, he's he's lived enough in the sand village. It's probably not even like unique to him. No, uh, he's probably like, this is my life. I <laughs> may as well be drinking blue milk or whatever. Uh, number one is Hotel Palacio de Sol, Bolivia. Anybody know their uh, their Spanish there? Sol. Structurally, uh, not Sol, Sol, uh. S-A-L. Structurally, this hotel is built almost entirely of salt, including its walls, ceilings, and floors. Much of the furniture and artwork is salt-based as well. It is built at, elevate, in a, at an elevation of 12,000 feet on the world's largest salt flat, Salar de Ayuni. Can I, can I ask a clarifying question? Sure. You said most of the artwork and stuff is made of salt? Uh, most of the furniture and artwork is salt-based as well. The, there'll be like a base, you know, for it made out of salt, and then there'll be an actual like cushion on top of it and things like that. I see. Okay, that makes more sense. Because, I mean, uh, we're all kind of salt-based in some ways. Um, sure. Like wood, yeah, I mean, everything's got salt in it. Well, I mean, but, this uh, is like this is like salt, like salt licks, salt gotcha. blocks, salt bricks. Everything is like it's like sandstone, but salt stone. Uh, so we have the um, the plane hotel, the airplane hotel. We've got the oil rig turned diving rig hotel. We've got the Ottoman cave hotel. We've got the uh, sandcastle hotel, and then we've got the salt hotel. Where are you guys staying? Do, do you want us to answer based off of your description? Because I also Googled them to see what they looked like. <laughs> if, if you Googled no, them and looked them up. Actually, and you do, have... do you, yeah, because I'm, I'm going based perfectly on, purely on description. It'd be great to hear what you say, having seen them. Okay. I, I know which one I'm going to. Based off of original from your description, and then when I looked it up, I'm the third one, the one in the cave. Jamie and I, yeah, and and so I think I can even rank them. Like I would probably go cave, plane, salt, sandcastle, and then last place is that diving one. All right, yeah, that's pretty close to what I was going to do. I, I I agree. I'm going to go with the Ottoman cave suites. Uh, probably not the most safest location in the world right now, but sure. uh, easily one of the more uh, impressive looking pieces of architecture I've seen. Um, mm-hmm. Recently, I, this 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 place looks pretty cool, and I encourage everyone to kind of check it out and see what I'm talking about. But that is my top five weirdest hotels for the episode. Right. The Fitzroy, very nice, very nice. Well, that's pretty good. And, and oh, wait, I actually just noticed. Uh, I think Kyle just got onto the. I think he's going to give us his review real oh, quick. Okay, hey Kyle. Hey, how's it going? I'm Kyle. I give it a, tw- a twelve inches. Whoa, <laughs> Kyle! Must you really love this movie, huh? No, I, I really loved it. It was really great. Uh, wow! I I hope that is coming from a genuine place in your heart that you really did love this, and you aren't trying to uh, woo any of the cast and crew to come on the show and interview with us. Nope, I was really I really loved it. It was my favorite movie I ever made. In fact, I now live this movie. It's now my life. 
Oh, well, thank you very much for jumping in, Kyle. I realize you've been busy with uh, the wife and kids. Send my best and uh, have a good night, bud. I abandoned my wife and kids for this movie. Thank you for listening to Submersion. Don't forget to subscribe for new episodes every Thursday. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating wherever you listen. Want to interact with us? Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We also love to get messages from all of you. If you have a suggestion, a comment, or just anything you'd like to share, please email us at maceaststudios at gmail.com. 